We're joined by Scott Reed, CTV political analyst, former advisor to Prime Minister Paul Martin. Nice to have you. Happy Monday. Hope you had a good weekend. I did. Good morning. Okay, so let's start with the story I was referencing just before the break, and that is Ontario's election watchdog would like to ban the publication of opinion polls in the run-up to voting day. I think that's probably not a bad idea, because I think some people vote very strategically based on what could be flawed polls. Um, I guess a couple of things. There's no question in my mind that the publication of polls close to election day influences a certain portion of the public. Um, You know, and I'm I'm not sure that's a healthy thing, but I guess my view is you can't in this day and age um, ban those polls. You know, social media is going to have even less accurate polls that will be passed around. So I I kind of feel like um, the world has turned on this idea. I would go in a different direction. I, I think that one of the threats now, I think a greater threat than the publication of polls, which because, you know, by the way, there's an argument that says, well, who cares? If that's how people want to decide, if some people decide to decide that way, then that's up to them to decide. Just is, you know, in order to use the word decide as many uh, times in one sentence as I can. The but, proof is the proof um, is the proof. <laughs> but, you know, my, my view is the real problem uh, is that we have so many junk polls now and and we have junk polls by supposedly uh decent reputable outfits and it's because uh cost and technology has driven people towards internet panels that are sometimes very well composed but are sometimes not well composed um you know we've gotten in this world where people conflate uh, rules of statistical science with those that don't exist like you know you'll say well if this was a statistically reliable poll it would be correct you know x times out of 10 except that it isn't so i'd rather see an emphasis on, you know, mandatory, larger, more pronounced identification of the methodology and reliability of, of, of polls so that people can sort of say, all right, well, if I'm inclined, I can actually read as to whether or not this is uh, worth a damn or not. I've seen many polls during campaigns that were rogue polls because they came from a junk outfit that was just trying to produce something for free because it used to be you got paid to publish your polls. Now you don't. So, you know, you get what you pay for, as they say. So uh, Stephen Gilbo, the federal environment minister, was on Vashi's show yesterday talking about the fact that the price of carbon went up on Saturday. It's not an easy sell. And frankly, I still think it's um, it's probably going to gain him an awful lot of votes. The leader of the conservatives saying he's going to scrap the carbon tax, although he has no other strategy. Well, the problem for the liberals, to be honest with you, is that you know, people are very skeptical that the carbon tax actually results in climate change action and so you know people believe fundamentally maybe even a certain degree of people who are in favor of it they think we end up getting the both the worst of both worlds i.e that the pain of the carbon tax is not sufficiently high that it will cause people to change behavior but the um uh, that, that not only it doesn't not change your behavior, but that it doesn't actually even, um, you know, really generate that much money because we are trying to offset it so much. So you end up in the, in the worst of both worlds. Uh, this doesn't come as a shock to people. There's a little bit of clumsiness on the part of Gibo, who's not the most skilled politician in my view, in the way that he kind of, you know, just kind of stumbled into this. But, you know, ultimately, I think the big problem for the liberals is that Biden has what is deemed to be a very effective, very aggressive climate change plan that does not include a carbon tax. And that is going to be really difficult come the next election because people are not going to want to pay the carbon tax. People want to live in the happy fiction of, 
we can do nothing and have the problem go away. And you, what you're going to hear from Polyev is, hey, I don't have a carbon tax in my plan, but neither does Joe Biden. Are you calling Joe Biden ineffective on uh, on the environment? So you, you know you're going to get you're going to get that kind of contrast. Okay, speaking of Joe Biden, uh, there are some who are arguing he and Trudeau making their deal a week ago are to blame for the fact that we have dead migrants at the Aquasasne Reserve. I was listening to an interview last weekend, Scott, where an activist in um, refugee policy was saying people are going to die. And sure enough, less than a week later, we have people who have died. So is this policy and are those men to blame? Uh, possibly. Um, I think we're in a sort of a transition period as people realize, no, 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 wait, the entire border is now um, shut down to that option. Um, you know, those seeking asylum from the United States. Um, and whereas before <clears throat> it was just at major checkpoints. And so there were spots where you could um, claim asylum uh, in between those places. I don't know that that makes the policy incorrect. I mean, from my perspective, if we deem at major cross points that, you know, asylum is unnecessary to extend because we think that the United States is a safe third party, then that logic applies for across the border. And when you have an inconsistent policy, you get all kinds of perversities, which we saw happening, obviously, at Roxham Road. So I'm actually, as hard as it sounds, and I know that people predicted this would happen, and they were not wrong, but I, as hard as it sounds, I'm not convinced that the policy is incorrect. I think that this is a terrible, tragic set of consequences, but I also don't think it will last. I think that you know, you'll get very, very few people over time as they realize, oh, wait, there is no option of asylum, no matter where you cross. Um, as that filters into the consciousness of those who might try, I think you'll see fewer and fewer attempts and therefore fewer and fewer tragedies. Speaking of asylum and immigration and refugees and all of that stuff, a uh, Quebec mother who went to Syria, married an ISIS fighter, had six kids, is putting those six kids on a flight today back to Quebec to become wards of the state because she can't be cleared by the RCMP. Maybe she will be eventually, but at the moment she can't be. It's a tragedy. Um, but, you know, I remember watching this very comprehensive documentary about Western women who went to Syria and you sort of thought, you guys, you guys were really dumb and now you're in trouble, you know, effed around and found out. I agree with that. And I, and I, I, I like to think I'm not heartless, but, you know, to me, it all comes down to, well, um, should we extend citizenship and, and, uh, and, and, you know, the right to live in this country to, to the mother? Um, if we're going to, by dint of citizenship, say, you know what, that should automatically go to the children who bear no sin and took no conscious decision. Okay. And over time, uh, you know, there's an opportunity for the mother to actually gain access back to Canada. But, you know, you, you made a choice. Um, and if you regret that choice now, and if you also are making a choice saying, well, I actually think now living here, recognizing what I did and recognizing the error of this choice and uh, the limits of this choice, I don't want my kids here. I want my kids back in Canada. Okay, then bring the kids back to Canada and let's make certain that they're well looked after. But that doesn't mean that she should necessarily get the gate. Uh, Paul, I'm looking at it this morning, says young people are interested in learning to drive stick, as we used to say, a manual transmission. Scott, I look at this and it strikes me they're probably also interested in reading War and Peace. I don't know if they're ever going to do it. Oh, 
put that cynicism in a jar, tighten it, slid, and put it on the shelf, my friend. <laughs> I know that my oldest son actually drives stick and did learn stick. I'm a little bit, this is where the small town of me comes out. Like, I insist that my kids learn how to drive stick um, in, or, you know, those that have gone through the process of learning to drive uh, as of yet. Um, just because, like, when I was a kid, this is like one of these old-fashioned pickle barrel stories, right? Well, you know, when I was a boy, um, and, you know, you had to learn how to drive stick. And so I think it gives you a greater appreciation for how to drive. I think it gives a greater appreciation for, um, you know, the responsibility of, of, um, of, you know, having a license and being in charge of a giant big steel ball that can, uh, hurdle itself at people. Um, so I'm all for it. And yeah, I think, uh, I, 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 maybe some of them are just faking, but I know at least, uh, two who have, uh, stood up on it. Yeah. You know what? It broke my heart to give up stick because it's all I've ever driven. But when I moved to Toronto and got into traffic jams, it was a nightmare. So I thought, screw it. I'll, I'll drive uh, automatic. There's a small town masculinity bullying thing going on, you know, here. Like I just, I, I can't help it, but I quit driving. I equate driving stick with, yeah, now you're really driving. Now you're really doing it. So, but I'm, I'm actually not going to give up that prejudice. I'm going to hold on to it and be proud of it. All right. Thank you, sir. Good to have you. See ya. Scott Reed, former advisor to Prime Minister Paul Martin.